there and can make it back. Salutations and shit, folks. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode of your new favorite travel podcast, Travel and Shit, where I, your host, D. Carrie, have an experiential conversation about the nuanced ways that travel intersects with regular life. So I was inspired recently. I decided to plop down over the weekend and watch a feel-good movie. I decided I wanted to watch something about travel, however. So, or was that how I found it? I don't know. Somehow, I came across this shit called Hector and the Search for Happiness. It has um, Simon Pegg is the dude from Shaun of the Dead, and he's in Mad of the Mission Impossible movies. Um, uh, Rosamund Pike, she is in I Care A Lot, which I keep seeing on my, I don't know if it's a Prime movie or a Netflix movie, but I keep seeing it and it's on our watch list that we're going to get to it. But she was also in uh, Gone Girl and it's got uh, Jean Reno and Tony Collette. The movie is so good. I really enjoyed it. I have a little bit of an issue with parts of how they, you know, depicted his trip to Africa that bothered me, but it did make sense for the movie. Um, I get it. It was part of the messaging that needed to come across and it made sense that that be the location. I, yeah. Part of me is just like, "Mm, I don't like it. But another part is like, okay, I get it. But anyway, movie's really good. And it's about a psychiatrist who decides to uh, very abruptly by the way, just out the blue that he wants to travel the world to try to discover what makes people happy so that he can make his patients happy. And um, there are a bunch of different interactions and mishappenings and adventures that occur throughout the course of the movie so that he is able to update his notebook, which is given to him by the um, actress Rosamund Pike, who plays his girlfriend. I think her name is... Don't remember. I'm going to lie to you if I say it. Um, Clara. Clara. Clara is her name. She plays Clara. Uh, Sorry for shouting. Um, But Clara had given him a notebook, told him, you know, go about your business, figure it out. Tony Collette plays an old fling of his and Jean Renault, or is it Jean Renault? um, He plays a character that Hector meets along the way. Um, The Skarsgård dad, he, uh, can't remember what his Stalin, Stalin or something. I don't know. But the Skarsgård father, he's in the movie as well. He also plays a character that Hector meets along the way. So there's a lot, a lot of nice, uh, cameos in the movie. Very well acted, well cast. I really enjoyed it. And those interactions that he has with his, uh, with characters throughout the movie kind of allow him to, take notes as to why he thinks or how he's learned in dif- in these interactions, uh, people define happiness. Uh, so that being said, after finishing the movie, which I don't want to spoil it, so I'm not even going to give um, more detailed descriptions of pieces and parts of the movies, of the movie, but I will say it did get me to thinking where would I go if I wanted to question people 
on their ideal of happiness? And then where have I experienced happiness? What places, what um, adventures have I been fortunate enough to experience that have brought me moments of just unbridled joy? And so the short answer I'll start with first, um, the places that I would go where I would want to question people about what their descriptor of happiness would be were Mexico, Nigeria, and Ireland. Now, in all three places, I would prefer to just ask black people. There are black people that live in all those countries, um, obviously some more than others, but I would want to speak to black women in particular, but of course also I would want to speak to black men. And I'd also probably want to ask some kids what their opinion of happiness would be. And I would want to ask the black Mexican population because I just discovered that there was even a black Mexican population about four, no more than five years ago. It may have been fewer years than that, but I know it absolutely wasn't more. It couldn't have been more than five years ago. I'm pretty certain on that. Um, And I mean like more so of a black indigenous population, not just the expats that are living there, but black Mexicans born of Mexican parents as well, who were also black. Um, I would want to ask their opinion of happiness, uh, especially being so close to a country where their intersection of identity exists so differently. Um, whereas they are a minority in their own country, but then like even more of a minority on a country that just like shares a border with you, if you will. Um, So I'd be curious as to what their experience of happiness is, especially um, being a somewhat, you know, marginalized group. I would also want to, for one, just know more about them and their story and history also. But uh, I mentioned Nigeria because according to the science, um, I'd done my 23andMe ancestry and ancestry... And was it my ancestry? Uh, 23andMe and Ancestry.com. I've done both of those DNA uh, tests. And oddly enough, I've mentioned this before, I'm sure. I did not know until I want to say the Ancestry.com update came that your DNA results can get updated. I guess the more samples they are able to pull from or aggregate or compare to, I don't know the science, I don't know the science, but I guess the more people they have, the, the more detailed your DNA can be, I guess, qualified and broken down to. So it changes. I'm still hella African, very pleased about that. But as opposed to some of the original countries that were listed, Nigeria now is a greater percentage of that number. And after doing the 23andMe profile, that one heavily, heavily places my ancestry in Nigeria. I don't remember percentages. 
Y'all know by now, hopefully, if you've been here long enough or if you knew, numbers, not my ministry. I don't do well with numbers. So I couldn't tell you what the actual um, percentages were, but uh, Nigerian. So I would absolutely want to go to Nigeria. How I would choose what area in such a large country, don't know. I really am not certain how I would want to or where um, I would want to go, but I would maybe do a couple of different places in Nigeria. You maybe get as many different perspectives across socioeconomic backgrounds, um, again, across, you know, and this would be for all the countries. I would want to dive into the opinions of people across different socioeconomic backgrounds, different age demographics, different professions, and different education levels. Um, and then also in terms of like professions, I would want to really get different types of professions, like, um, a creative, but like a manual arts creative, like someone that like sculpts or dances or sings or plays an instrument. Um, I would also want someone who is a creative in terms of maybe writing digital arts, content creation, um, marketing advertisement of the sort, a you know, someone that is a medical professional, whether they be doctors, nurses, doesn't really matter. Um, I would want to do a blue collar worker, someone that works in like a factory. Like I would want to really get a bunch of different types of people's opinions. Um, I would also love to see the difference in that answer for people that have, uh, had experiences with whatever the, I guess, law system or the, um, criminal system. That's what I was looking for. I would love to get the opinions of people across different levels of criminality, if you will. Um, people that are incarcerated, people that have spent time in jail. Um, and then, you know, people that have never had a record in their lives. Uh, that kind of stuff, I would be curious. Like I would want to get a really expansive, you know, um, pool to draw from if now, if this is my study or my, um, adventure that I get to scope, that's definitely what I would want to be part of it. Um, and then also different areas. So that would, you know, Northeast, Southwest, and then I would also want central in the country. So I'd want to experience all different regions in terms of, different climates, the way different people, like you have the people that live in a rural part of the country, people that live in a more metropolitan part of the country, people that live in an area that maybe has a mix of the two. Um, you know, then you've got countries like say, I know India wasn't on my list, but the topography and the weather is so different in the North versus the West and, you know, the East from the South. And like, there are so many, like you've got jungle in one area, you got snow and ice covered mountains in another, and you've got, you know, very flat lands, great for growing and cultivating and farming. And then you've got like, you know, really urban developed areas, whatever. I'd want to get a sense of those different types of people in all of those different regions as well. So I would love if I could just like come across in an organic way, um, like 50 different people in each area. Let's dream big here. This would be a really, um, 
detailed experience or exercise, if you will. Um, so I would want to do different regions in Nigeria because like I mentioned, my ancestry is credited with there. And I would also want to do Ireland because my ancestry is also from Ireland, but like a smaller part, I think it was like 12%, um, in general, like different countries in the UK. And from that portion of countries in the UK, I want to say Ireland had the highest percentage. And I believe that it is Northern Ireland, but they did a breakdown of the different cities. Apparently that, you know, different regions popped up throughout the DNA sample. Um, so I don't know where those cities are in those countries, but I would want to do that same aggregate of people in Ireland. And for shits and gigs, let's include um, some white folks in those countries. And let's include some um, indigenous people of those countries, especially in reference to um, Mexico. Uh, so for a little razzle to the dazzle, if you will. And for shits and gigs, let's throw Jamaica on there because the closest, I don't know how to phrase it, but the first country, my most recent ancestors come from is Jamaica, if that makes sense. Like after tracing my parents and my grandparents, um, to the States, then they start to like, my dad has grandparents from Jamaica. So that's the first country that shows up outside of, you know, my American heritage. Right. So there's that. I would go to Jamaica as well. So we'll add uh, Jamaica as the fourth country on the list. And I mean, I've always wanted to visit India, but I mean, if I were really going to do as expansive a conversation across these different types of people and these different types of areas, I think that no, it doesn't ever have to end, but I would feel as if somehow I would probably want to tell that story. So I don't think that I would necessarily want to do it all for the rest of my life because then I feel like I wouldn't be able to put as much thought and care into sharing those stories and finding a way to um, share what I've learned in the experience. I mean, Yes, podcast, but I, I don't know. I feel like something like that deserves some type of tangible, whether it be a documentary or it be a an art series of some type of like photographs for um, an amateur photographer. I am by no stretch of the imagination a photographer, but I enjoy taking pictures. I was always that kid in high school. Not so much in junior high, but by high school, especially in college, I always had a camera in my bag. I remember I had this hot pink 110 millimeter um, camera. And in high school, I started working at the local pharmacy. So we had the, like, we would send out the film to get developed. So I would use my little employee discount and I would, when I was feeling fancy, spring for the matte finish 
but I would get photos developed all the time because I just love, love taking pictures. So I would do maybe something that, and you know, just a different, a way to, once you share the artistry, that is a good story from other people. Like once you receive that gift, I would want to then somehow tap into my own gifts or explore my own gifts in a way that was like beautifully able to share that with other people. So I wouldn't necessarily want to just travel the rest of my life just to ask these questions. I would also want to spend some time, you know, finding a way to, or designing and curating a way of telling those stories, but then maybe picking up and doing like a volume two at some point. Cause why not? What else? Um, so that's where I think I would draw the line. Like I wouldn't want to have like 52 different countries cause I really want to do a lot of, um, digging around in these different areas. So it makes sense to kind of cap it at a reasonable number so that I can get crazy with the number of people that I talk to from these areas. Um, let's see. And then in reference to the trips that I've taken where I have experienced a resounding amount of joy and happiness. And the first place that comes to mind every time I think about um, that question, like where have I been that just brought me joy? Norway is is first. It wasn't necessarily the most fun uh, trip that I've taken. I didn't really do that much in Norway. I spent a day in the little apartment that I was in because I didn't feel like trying to find the train station. I didn't want to walk through the, it was a really residential area that I was staying in. So it would have taken me some navigating to try to find uh, the bus or the train to take me into town. I just, I didn't really feel like it. And a bitch was tired. That being said, I killed that day, but then I had the next day that I had a, um, bus tour booked to go see the Northern Lights. And when I tell you everything worked out perfectly because I was leaving the next day. So I had just a layover. It was a long layover. Um, well, no, well, I guess it was considered a layover trip because I also had a layover that got delayed, which I was a little pissed. I flew into Oslo, but I believe it got delayed a bit. So I ended up not leaving the airport. And then I went to Tromsø. That's where I ended up staying. And the night before I left, well, actually the night I left, I think I had maybe a 6 a.m. flight. The night before is when I went because I slept in the airport after the experience. Um, But I booked with a company called Chasing Lights. I really hope for everyone's sake that they are still in business um, after COVID because what's beautiful about their tour company is that they don't just pick a spot where they hope the phenomenon of Aurora Borealis will be. They science it. Like they follow whatever computer or technology program system they got going and they drive you around to where they believe the most um, likely sightings will be. So I had a girlfriend, shout out to Joanna, uh, unfortunately she had been in Norway, but took another tour and 
they didn't really get a good view because they did not chase the lights. And a lot of the tours will often offer you a redo like the next day or if you have to schedule for whatever. But if you're not going to be in the area for long enough for you to take advantage of that, then that sucks. So I ended up having a great time talking to my host, Tone. And she was such a warm spirit. And she's always going to be one of my like top three Airbnb hosts, one of the um, kindest and most welcoming um, hosts I've had and just experiences with people abroad in general. Just, we had such a great conversation. She showed so much love cooking for me. She made a pizza from scratch. Um, I don't think the dough was from scratch. I don't know for certain. I don't know if she had it in the fridge from whenever, but she didn't pull out a DiGiorno's and, you know, uh, unfreeze it. She put the pizza together and we sat, drank a bottle of wine and talked. It was such a lovely dinner and I just felt really welcomed and, um, you know, as if I were maybe extended family to her. And so that experience was nice, but that wasn't the part that brought joy to me. What brought joy to me was seeing the Northern Lights. I saw them, I was able to see them in each of the, I want to say three or four stops that we made along the bus drive. And I was dressed pretty appropriately. My body was warm, but my feet were fucking freezing. I don't know why I thought that one pair of socks would be enough. They were wool, like 100% wool that I just brought from the grocery store, actually, which was pretty cool. I bought a pair of wool socks at the grocery store and I've since shrunk them both, but I still hold on to them just for uh, nostalgic reasons. But I don't know why I thought that was going to keep me warm because I mean, my body was great. I was layered up. I had two coats on, hat, gloves, scarf. The kit was ready, just not footwear. Like my feet were freezing. That was the only thing. Like I had to get back on the bus a few times, take off my shoes and really try to warm my feet up. But that being said, just seeing the Northern Lights was uh, so filling because it's one of those bucket list items that I have. I don't really, okay. I don't think I technically have like written down anywhere, any bucket list experiences or places that I want to see. Maybe I'll do that. I'll work on that and report back for y'all. But that is absolutely one of the things for years, years, even before I started traveling. I've always wanted to see. I've always been fascinated with the night sky. Anything celestial, anything stars, the moon. I am completely with the shits and I I fucking love it. I was one of those kids that always wanted chemistry sets and science kits. And my parents bought me um, telescopes, microscopes. Shout out to Mrs. Damore who would give me the older ones from school. And that's always been my jam. I was the kid that was in a book. I wasn't outside. I was in a book. So I was like traveling in my head, in my room or on like the back porch. But say all that to say that I've always loved stars, always, always loved everything of the night sky. So I wanted to see the Northern Lights and I actually tried to see them in Alberta. 
However, we drove like six or eight hours and the further out we got, the worse the weather got. Like it was snowing and if the if there isn't enough visibility, you're not going to be able to see it. So we'd spent that long driving out. Service was bad. It was just getting like, yeah, it was just a lot. So we ended up turning back around. So I wasn't able to see them in uh, Canada. Uh, but thankfully I did get to see them in a bunch of different spots in Norway. And I had actually recently finished a personal development, uh, like workshop, uh, fostered is fostered the right word. It's sponsored or presented by momentum education. Absolutely highly recommend uh, momentum. If you want to do some self-work outside of therapy, um, not that you have to have done therapy or even necessarily need to be open to therapy, although I think everybody should do therapy, but it's professional, it's personal development, but, and I say this to you without trying to sell you anything is I walked in very skeptical because I really felt like it was going to be some pyramid scheme shit. And they was really just trying to G me for my money. But a really good friend of mine had recommended it to me and said that it was really helpful for her to get a lot more personal insight. And so I trusted shout out to, um, a former guest. I'm trying, I don't remember. I think Chinese people are in Africa is her episode. It was one of the first 50, I would say. Uh, but Marsha B of Hello Beautiful. Shout out to that beautiful gem of a friend. And she, and oh, introvert in the city, I was also on an episode, an episode, an episode of her podcast, Introvert in the City. Um, so fo- give Marsha a follow and check her out to see uh, that episode that I did with her. And anyway, she recommended Momentum to me. I went there mad skeptical, just thinking, all right, it was great for her, but it's not really going to be great for me. Let's see how it is. And the moment, like I kind of just relaxed a little bit and just was like, well, let me see what all they're talking about. It, kind of started to click that maybe there's an offer here. All of that to say, I got a lot of um, personal, there was a lot of personal growth in that era. And so I was fully in the space to, I'm already woo-woo deep <laughs> with myself as is. So after that experience, it was just... I was, I felt very open, very, um, I guess you could say not necessarily vulnerable, but maybe, maybe raw. I would just say open probably is the best way to put it, but I was just very open to receiving positivity, receiving that this is something that I have wanted and it is here. I am experiencing a dream. I am experiencing a personal goal of mine. And I don't know if I've ever mentioned it before, but I'm not really that great at goal setting. Something about it seems very definitive. And like, once you kind of write it and state it, it kind of just feels very rigid to me. And I just want good feelings, whatever brings those good feelings. I'm a very general person and I feel like I'm not going to actualize as many of those feelings because I don't have, um, 
names on the little stones along the way, if that makes sense, right? But that being said, that being a struggle of mine, I just shared that. Like I'm very kind of wishy-washy with just choosing. And one of the very few things that I have been able to identify as, no, this is what I want. I'm spending a lot of time detailing this so that you can understand the joy, the happiness that this brought me. But seeing those Northern Lights and from so many different vantage points, like I was able to see it in which was like, not a fjord because it wasn't, at least I don't think it was water. It may have been, y'all, it was dark, dark as fuck. But we were between, we were like in a valley. We were between mountains. Like I'm surrounded by mountains. I'm seeing the most incredible view of stars and then Northern Lights. Then there was, we were at the water. I guess it was a fjord because it was water between mountains. Well, at that, so there was a fjord because there was water. Then it was mountains. Then there was another, I think that was the valley. It was, I want to say flatlands because I think there were more mountains in the middle. That part's clear. It's a little murky because my head was in the clouds. Um, and then there was like a paved road that was like 12 foot walls of snow on the sides. At least to me, it seemed like they were 12 foot. They may have only been like six foot, but everything is tall, little of me. But it was just like perfectly plowed through walls of snow and just like road, but like no cars, utter darkness. And the tour company provides professional photographers because I have an iPhone team iPhone hard body but you can't necessarily um adjust or modify without I believe an app or something you can't really modify the settings of the camera on your phone so because of that you're not able to capture them on your phone but if you have a DSLR camera if as long as you adjust the settings it'll capture it fine. So it came with professional photography. And as long as you got in the spot to take a photo, you was in there and then they shared it all on Dropbox and that was included in the fee for the tour. So having those visual memories also, just having those pictures, being able to look back and reflect and see like I did that, like I was able to do that. And I absolutely vividly remember how happy and how grateful I was to be able to have that experience, especially knowing that I wanted it so bad. So that is the first most clearly defined example of like just pure blissful joy I've had, um, been able to experience in my travels. And then the second spot I have is Cuba. I have said so many times that it's a really close tie between Cuba and Colombia for my favorite trip, just in terms of the fun and the excitement and the colorful and impactful experiences that I've had in both of the countries. I absolutely did so much blackity black shit in each country and I felt very welcomed and embraced and valued as a black woman in both those countries. So the tone was already set, the vibe was already there. But Cuba stands out as a destination where I was able to experience such like joy 
because I had one day and it's wild because I also had, I really wish I was able to get that tattoo. I had an appointment scheduled for late in the afternoon because you can't get tattoos before you go to the beach and shit because you're, it's open skin. Um, so it was at the end of the most perfect day, but I ended up missing the appointment because the end of the day dragged on a little bit past what it was initially intended to. So it's like, Oh, on one hand, I'm so frustrated that I wasn't able to get this tattoo and I still haven't gotten it. And I'm holding, part of me is holding out to get it from Cuba. And another part of me is just like, Oh, get it someplace else that, you know, you really like and enjoy. But mm, it's already in my head that that's where the tattoo is supposed to be from. That being said, I can't get too mad because the day was fucking perfect. Like outside of missing the appointment, I had such an incredible day. I did so many things for the first time in that one day. I was able to, I mean, I'm sure I'd had like, you know, fresh fruit fruit smoothies, but I don't know if I'd had this type of fruit smoothie or whatever. And it felt like the place was like miles out in the middle of fucking nowhere. And it was mad busy, mad people were there. But that I ended up seeing what like a non-GMO fucking avocado looked like. They don't look like the avocados I'm buying here in New York. Oranges are fucking green. Um, We were talking about other fruits and vegetables that just don't look like they do in like they don't grow naturally like the ones that we buy here in the States, like the ones I buy here in New York. Right. Um, What else did I do? I ended up doing, uh, snorkeling. This was the first time I'd ever snorkeled. Didn't quite love it. Didn't hate it. It was just a very difficult, like I had to concentrate so hard to breathe through my mouth. And I also don't feel like I had that much help from the tour guide at all through any of that experience. It was also advertised that it was going to be in English. However, they did everything in fucking Spanish. And thank you to uh, Kevin and Nikki for translating for me. Uh, It turns out there was an older woman that had difficulty. So the couple that was doing the tour had to separate to modify for her so that it would be a little bit more mobility adaptable for her. And the rest of us went with the other guy and he was one that didn't speak that much English. So I didn't get to enjoy much of anything in terms of the biology portion of it, where he was talking about the, the flora and the fauna of the area that we were in because ha also on this list of shit I'd never done before. I went hiking in a bikini. You know how you watch, um, horror movies or scary movies, movies in general and bitches is going on a hike in like really short shorts and tank tops. And you know, it's like, girl, mosquitoes mean nothing to you. Like, branches and leaves and all the stuff that's brushing against you. Like it's one thing to wear like shorts because it's fucking hot. But I feel like the women in these videos are way over-sexualized. They got their titties hanging out, ass hanging out, belly all out. And I mean, it's like great to look at, but not practical. What, what are we doing? That's always been a spot or a spot of contention or a spot for contention. I think it's a spot of contention, but it always rubbed me the wrong way. But that being said, I was that bitch that day 
I did not know there was that much hiking to be done because after we waded across a river, like we legit walked across a river. I'm so glad I had water shoes. So pro tip, when you travel, bring you a little pair of water shoes, whether they match, look cute or not. When you're walking across a river, you don't want to do that barefoot. And you also don't want to do it in flip flops because the mud is just going to suck it. You're more likely to trip get stuck on a rock, stub a toe on a rock. Yeah, lots of shit. I went through so seamlessly. And um, all that being said, we walked across the river, not on the water, y'all. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. Like the water came like right uh, to the top of our chest, but below our shoulders more for the most part. At least me, I'm 5'5". Five five. The water did not pass my shoulders at any point, I don't think. I mean, I can swim. So if it did, I probably just swim that part through. But um, for the most part, we just walked across the river because it was a very shallow river. So I'd never done that before. Uh, snorkeling, like I said, uh, I don't feel like the guide gave me as much help as I would have benefited from. Uh, he was more, I think, concerned with the gorgeous Nikki. And um, so I was struggling, y'all. But what was cool was he dove down and found a little baby squid or a little tiny octopus or whatever. And so he brought it up and it was like wrapped around his finger and he let us hold it. So I held like a little baby octopus or squid. I don't know what the fucking difference is. Um, You know, tentacles. And it just felt tickly. It was weird. Uh, Got stung by a sea urchin for the first time. Um, Saw like some coral and reef for the first time. Um... What else did I do? I did cliff diving for the first time. I'd also never been to a beach that didn't have sand. This was all like where the ocean meets the rocks. This wasn't sand. So we had to either climb down from the ground. We had to climb down to the rocks and then jump into the water or climb into the water, which was a little risky because, you know, if you slip, scratching your shit all the way the fuck up. So we did the climber jump down and then there was another like more, maybe, I don't know, maybe a five foot jump, a six foot jump from the waterline. So you could jump from there or you could jump from like two, three stories up into the water. So I did that, scared as fuck, only did it once. But not only did I cliff dive for the first time, this was also like the deepest ocean water that I think I'd ever been in at the time because I hadn't done swim with the sea lions in Peru, which was in the middle of the fucking ocean. Um, And I hadn't done snorkeling in Bali yet, which was the middle of the fucking ocean also. Um, That being said, never been in ocean water, like uh, not in a boat (laughs) that deep before. And we were able to swim into a fucking cave, y'all. We swam into a cave and just chilled in a cave randomly, just talking. And I'd had uh, cigars on the beach. I'd had cigars before. Um, But that, the host, they're really good uh, cooks. I don't know which one of them cooked, but they made like a homemade meal for us. They, I mean, just the food and the drinks were good. 
thankfully at this point the wife had been joined back to the group so she was able to you know do some more explaining and we spoke in English so she did a nice job of like you know balancing out how lost I was for the first half of the trip she you know very much so made up for it in the um afternoon but um I just did so many things that day that I'd never done before. Also on that trip, I remember I got so lost one day. I don't remember what it was. I Oh, I'd gone on the Afro-Cuban Roots tour. I did a tour that, uh, not I don't want to say spoke about, but we learned about the origins of Santeria, Voodoo, and I want to say hoodoo and possibly voodoo as well. Um, we went to a bunch of different spots further uh, out of Havana. We spoke with a Baba Lao. He did readings for us. We sang, we ate, we danced, we drank. Yeah, it was such an incredible day. And I remember the guide helped me get a taxi and I took the taxi to, I want to, this was one of those taxis that basically ran up and down like a uh, main strip. It was a dollar van, basically. Um, so if you're not from New York, dollar van, it's, it'll substitute the bus and where the bus is like 275 now, I think, um, dollar van might be like $2 or 250 now, but the dollar van is generally, I don't know if anything's changed, but dollar van is supposed to be cheaper than the bus. And, but Whereas the bus may go on a more detailed route, dollar vans are only going to go up and down main streets. So it was basically a dollar van, but in a small, you know, classic car because Cuba. So I don't remember where I got fucked up, but someplace I got off the, maybe the wrong way. I don't know. But when I tell you, y'all, I walked so long. And what I intended to do was stop and get some food along the walk. But when I say this was all commercial, there were like no restaurants, no, there may have been maybe like a store or two that had food, but nothing had like meals. I was so hungry and wanted to sit down and eat. I lucked out. I mean, I didn't luck out. Like I just like, I was shit out of luck. Like I was walking for so long. I could not. And then of course my... You can only use your phone in Wi-Fi parks. So I found a Wi-Fi park to try to get directions to get me back, but the Wi-Fi was down and it was near a local like administrative building or something. So you could go there and figure and like talk to them about buying Wi-Fi or something. I, I think somebody directed me to that or I don't fucking know y'all. Or I think I had to buy, oh, that's what it was. I was looking to buy another Wi-Fi card and that was supposed to be the closest place that I could get one from. And so I'm sitting, I'm walking in and I'm watching people sit in the park on their phones. And then I get inside and he's just like, the Wi-Fi is down. So I'm like, okay, but I know I saw people using their phones, but then there were other people that were saying the Wi-Fi. So I don't know if it was, it was down for some people or if it was down for all the people, but then there was this beautiful African man. I don't know what country in particular he was from, but he's the one that got me turned the right direction. Should have got his number. But he was fine, y'all. And he got me situated to get back where I needed to go for the long walk home. But there was something so invigorating about being lost 
that time because I'd also gotten lost before then. I got so I got lost so many times in Cuba, but because no GPS, you just got to pay attention where the fuck you're going. So I'd gotten so lost before when I was uh by the beach, but this time I walked for so long, found the place, and I had never sweat that much in my life. I had the most gorgeous, dewy, sweaty, just, I don't, it was like, it wasn't like it, y'all, it was otherworldly sweat. I don't know how to describe it, but I took a picture. I actually had it in my stories a couple days ago. So if you know, you know, drenched, but it was so refreshing in a sense because I explored, I just walked around the city and got to see a part of Cuba that's not going to be on a postcard. The part of Cuba that isn't old Havana where everybody goes and you've got all the really high-end stores and, you know, tourists go to drop money on bags and clothes, which if that's your thing, do your thing, right? But this is where people lived. This is where people worked. It was just people go to school. It just felt good. And so that incredible day of firsts at the water between, you know, the ocean and then the river and the foods that was, you know, beautiful. And then the being lost, there was just something about that experience of being lost just felt right. Like I really felt like I was doing something. So those two experiences of Cuba were magical for me. And finally, I'll wrap it up by saying Bali. And I think that Bali, while a lot of people love and Bali resonates with so many people, I think that my reasoning is a little different. I actually did get the best massages I think I've ever gotten while I was in Bali. The Bermuda massage was the only one probably that may have rivaled the Bali massages uh, but Bali wins because Bali's massage was probably no more than $7, whereas Bermuda was way more than that. Um, like American price, like $150 for the massage in Bermuda probably. But it was on the resort, so of course they're charging mad bread. But um, it was worth that 150 though. But so was the $7 massage. That's, you know what I mean? Where are you in the world? Um, but for me... Bali brought me a sense of, I can do hard things. I had the most difficult hike I'd ever had. Uh, We went up Mount Bator, which is an active volcano, and it was a sunrise tour. So they picked us up at like midnight for maybe two, I don't know, three hour drive. It was a long ass fucking drive to the mountain. I was staying in Ubud. And I don't remember where Bator is, but it's in Bali's an island. So I'm pretty sure we were still on the, I don't think we went over a bridge or anything like that. And I don't even know if um, Bali is connected by a bridge to the mainland of Indonesia. I don't fucking know. That being said, we drove mad far and we arrived still very much so at night because we did the entire hike in the dark. The ascent up the mountain, which is also an active volcano, was in complete darkness. We got to the top, had a really actually good 
um, breakfast, which was like banana sandwiches, which I've said before were fucking crap. Them shits slap. They were so good. And I was not expecting them to be good. Probably because these are better quality fucking bananas. It was like bananas and white bread. And I don't eat white bread. Them shits was good. So we had that boiled eggs and like, I think like chocolate or like chocolate wafers or some shit like that. I don't know. But the breakfast was surprisingly good. I think I had hot chocolate or maybe some tea. Um, And we sat and watched the sunrise. The only sucky part about it was that after the hike, you're sweaty. But at the top of the mountain, it's freezing. So you're freezing cold with wet clothes on you. That fucking sucked. But also in a good way and then in a bad way. It was kind of cloudy out. There was a, we like that, you know, that film of clouds, like the thin clouds and then some fluffy clouds would come through, but clouds nonetheless. So we couldn't see the sun clearly, but because there were clouds, we were able to look at the sun as it rose. So it was nice to be able to actually watch the sunrise, but at the same time, it was like peaking between clouds and not, but it was still, you're on the top of a mountain watching the sunrise over the country it it was absolutely beautiful and then the descent like the climb down and now mind you we took the easy route the guide gives you the option do you want to try the easy route or the hard route and it was me and another young lady and then two other dudes they were college age gave me very frat vibes very bro-y um they weren't nasty or rude or anything like that, but they absolutely weren't nice either. I don't think they spoke to me the whole, the whole, at least most of the day. Um, they just kind of stayed to themselves, which we don't have to be friends. I think by the time the tour progressed and we ended up going to the coffee plantations, um, we all started kind of interacting, but it was me and then their group of like four, three or four people. So that being said, we then, actually, no, after the sunrise, we ended up going further up so that we could see parts of where we were able to see the steam come from the mountain because, again, active volcanoes. So we went further up the, I don't know, I think we went all the way up to the summit. I'm pretty sure we did. But it was scary as fuck because you could only see like three feet around you and it was a kind of narrow trail. So it's just like you're walking and then it's like, cliff like off the mountain kind of shit like far and you got people brushing past and you know just step 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 and and I don't play that shit you rush on your own I ain't rushing with you and that was also my way of getting through the initial ascent in darkness it wasn't an easy hike even though we went for the easy route it felt I guess not knowing how much further you have to go. And it was tiring. There was a lot. Uh, it, I, it was a little steep also. But for me, up is always like the way there is always the most difficult part. And also my knees started hurting. I think my little back started hurting, but it was mostly like my, oh no, it was my knees and I think it was my right knee and like my Achilles. Um, I think it was my left. I don't think it was on the right, but yeah, I think it was hurt. And I'm trying to keep up with these 
20 somethings and it's, you know, I'm gonna get there. I'm gonna just be behind, but I'm gonna get there. So I took my time and I pushed through. I don't think at any point I ever thought I was going to quit or wanted to quit. It just hurt. (laughs) The shit hurt. And I was getting worried that I wouldn't be able to complete it if I got even like more hurt. Um, And they had like these little motorbikes that were along the trail at certain points where they would bring people back down the mountain. But I was determined to not let these white kids see the black girl struggle. So ego, but I did it even though it was hard for me. And the way down was so much easier for me According to the young lady, that's what was hard for her. Like the way that, because she apparently doesn't have a balance per se. I guess her core isn't as great as she would want, but she's got endurance. For me, if it came to running, I'm a sprinter. I'm I'm pretty sure I'm nobody's endurance runner. I'm not doing distance. I would probably max out at your 400, not even the 800 probably do my best in a 100 not saying that I would be like maybe the fastest but I would perform what my personal best would be able to be it would be that 100 meter that being said the way up was hard for me but the way down was easy for me I can do balance I can always self-correct better than I can like push through so way down cool Also, there was a view. The sun had already come up, so I was able to see what was going on. I could see where I'm going. I didn't need my flashlight to tell me where to step and where not to step. So I thoroughly enjoyed the way down and beautiful scenery, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful views. And being able to say I let my face be steamed by volcano. Um, Steam, because it's a volcano. Um... And then looking back at the end, when you get to the bottom, like when we're on our way back down through like the little valley area um, to the parking lot to turn around and then be like, God damn, that shit's far. Like that's big. But I did that. And knowing how fucking painful it was and how difficult the ascent was, was just like, yeah, I fucking did that. And that just felt so reassuring. And then the second time in Bali, I felt really badass. Oddly enough was skinny dipping. I don't know why I was so anxious about being in that pool by myself. Also probably because I couldn't really tell how deep it was. And it's a mind thing, right? Like the pool was no more than like 12 feet wide by maybe like 30 feet long, if even that far. And so it's a pretty small, but nice size pool. You maybe, I think a short lap might've been six to eight strokes. That's about maybe how big it is from long end to long end. Um, that being said, I was low-key terrified to get in. More so because I felt like I, it was just me at the house. And the house is like concealed in like gate skating up to the, as tall as the first floor. So I'm like, if something happens to me and I get hurt in the pool or I can't get out, I'm by myself and I'm stuck. 
This isn't like the public pool at the, you know, the hotel or anything like at the beach and there are other people or a lifeguard. It's just me. So I really got in my own head about safety, if you will. And it was really difficult for me to get in. And I, on top of that, was worried that if my ass gets hurt and I'm fucking naked, someone has to drag me out of this pool completely nude. But I did it anyway. I did it scared. I was scared as fuck, but I made sure that I got in that pool because when else would I be able to go skinny dipping? I did it that day in Bali. And it sucked because by the time I got back every day, like I was up and out wild early every day, like before the sun came up almost every day to go do whatever the excursion for the day was. And uh, they were beautiful experiences, but I was so proud of myself for just sucking it up and doing it scared. And that brought me a lot of joy knowing that on that trip twice, even venturing out of the house that I was staying in to get to, you know, the main street to get to food, um, was a challenge in and of itself because it was a very convoluted and narrow path. I was staying basically on a rice field. So I had to navigate down like stairs, upstairs, all stone stairs, all maybe like two or three feet wide. And then rice field. I don't know how deep it is. I don't know what the fuck is in there. I don't know if there are snakes in there, spiders, all of the kinds of frogs and mud. I don't know how deep it is. Y'all, I wasn't trying to find out. I was terrified of falling in there. So having to navigate all of that at night stressful. Okay. Even during the day, every time I left the house was a challenge, but I pushed myself to do it each time I did it because I did not come that far to stay in the house. A beautiful house it was. Beautiful uh, second floor deck to look over the patties and to see all the beauty and the terrain and incredible like first floor garden and pool. Y'all, the accommodation was incredible. I believe that it is listed Actually, on my travel resources page on travelingshippodcast.com, I list the Airbnb and all the experiences. I basically list my itineraries from the different trips that I have done on the travel resources page. And that's consistently getting updated. So um, if there's something in particular that you're missing that you know I've been to, or if you have a question and it's not listed there, shoot me an email or DM me at travelingship on Instagram. It's T-R-A-V-E-L, the letter N-S-H underscore T. Or you could even tweet me. The My Twitter handle is the same as my Instagram handle. Um, so if you have a question about a particular destination or if you don't see a particular destination and you think I've been there or you're not sure if I've been there, shoot me a message and see if I can update that for you or at least send you some resources if I haven't um, been there. But that's on the website, travelshippodcast.com. And I 
pushed myself as beautiful as the house was to get out of the house. And it was hard every single time because it was very difficult to navigate the terrain that would get me to the rest of the fucking world outside of the house. But I did it. And that brought me so much happiness, so much happiness. I felt so accomplished because I knew how it gave me and brought me fear right before that feeling of happiness at its completion. So to wrap it up, I will say that travel is more than vacation. And here's how. In those three experiences, I can find ways that, and that's what's really cool about being an intentional traveler, like someone that kind of pays, that does a little bit more than just vacationing, right? Like Miami was very much so a vacation for me. I didn't get too deep outside of listening to my body and my spirit by telling, you know, that was telling me to rest. Like I kind of chilled. We didn't have anything really planned. We had dinner reservations every night, but we didn't have too much shit that we said we were going to do. We played it by ear. If we felt the need, if we felt the desire to, we did it. Otherwise it was just, you good with staying in? Cool. So I was very much so not that deep in Miami, but if I, it's kind of like you can learn something from anyone if you ask the right questions, right? And in asking myself what to its core made me happy about these different destinations, I can get so much more from these destinations than them being just really fun vacation spots. They've been places that I've been able to travel and learn a lot about myself in. And as campy as it may sound, it kind of gives me a way to look at methods or suggested ways, if you will, that I can make myself happy while at home. In their nature, for example, Norway. So I may not be able to see the Northern Lights from Southside. I can't see them from Queens, but I can still look at the stars. I definitely don't see as many stars now as I did when I was a kid, but there's still fucking stars outside. I love looking at the moon. So paying attention to the moon, attention to the moon cycle or listening out for woo-woo Twitter or woo-woo Instagram and they tell you about a full moon or a blood moon or a blue moon or a beach, a peach Bellini moon, like all the different types of moons and celestial events that happen. I like being in tune with that for the most part and, you know, enjoying when I am doing even road trips, just being outside and looking at the sky. I like looking at the moon. I like looking at the stars. When we're driving and you have a really, really low full moon, ugh, my heart always loves that. And that being said, knowing how that experience in my travels has moved me so and brought me so much joy, I'm able to pull a small piece of that and use it in my regular day life and just enjoy the night sky while I'm home. And similar to all of, well, not even similar, but 
exactly the same as all the new shit that I was able to do in Cuba. I can still do new things in local trips. When we were in Miami, we did a chef's tasting for the first time. That was wild exciting. I had no clue what they were going to bring to me. And I, I'm adventurous with food, but also kind of picky with food. But also if I'm not paying for it, I'm more willing to try things. It, everything in its season, everything with its reason, but I'm not a nuggets and chicken tendies kind of girl, but I'm also like, okay, if I want a tight budget and I'm in this country, I don't want to spend all of my money trying some land fair or fanfare or whatever and not like it and then be struggling to figure out something that I can afford and will eat and get sustenance for it. See the balance? Like I'm not at the point where I can just throw money away. So I budget. That being said, trying new things. There is so much excitement and joy in being able to say, I've never done that until now, or now I can say that I like this or don't like this or enjoy or, you know, whatever. I like new shit. I am so curious about so many different things and being able to satiate that curiosity and say that I've done something and this is how it makes me feel and knowing that tapping into that can absolutely give me the opportunity to, you know, be as deep and sappy and introspective as I want to be. Cause I like shit like that. So for me, new things, any opportunity to do something new or experience something new, try something new, I'm on board for. So tapping into doing more of that while I'm home can sometimes bring me a piece of that excitement that travel is able to bring me without having to go far. And then also following through on shit, like the sense of a cop, like accomplishment brings me so much joy. Oddly enough, or probably because I'm such an avoidant person. Like I do not like doing things that I don't want to do. So my personal adult mantra is if I don't want to do it and I have the power not to do it or to say no, I'm not going to do it. That being said, I can also procrastinate a lot. It's not always productive. But when it comes to completing something or finally finishing, like finishing my mindful traveler course, y'all have no idea how much I bust my ass to find these women and really speak with these women and connect with these women to get from them what I wanted. Like the idea that I had trying to explain that to other people, I struggle with explaining myself. So being able to do that accomplish that and get the result that I was able to get to offer and to share with you guys was so fucking fulfilling. Just being able to get that done meant so much to me. And it's very similar to finishing the climb at Bator and to actually going through and doing it scared and skinny dipping in Bali. It's like when I finally sit my ass down and complete something that has been breaking my balls, or I, 
you know, I'm able to land a guest or finally send a pitch to someone that I've, you know, been watching and, you know, really wanted to sit and talk to. And I'm able to communicate that desire with the value that I think they'll be able to bring. It's like those little things also bring me so much joy, just the completion of things that are difficult for me. And I am very much so an ideas girl. If you ever need help with ideas, I got you on that. Ideas are not difficult for me. It's the execution. It's the steps. I can be very, very analytical and critical, which is strange because I am very broad and big picture. And that's where my weakness is, is that I can detail myself out of doing something. Like I will think my way into and out of a box. So it's all these ideas, but I just don't know how to, you know, complete them or bring them to fruition. That being said, oh, I took off. I did this entire episode, ma, and just realized I took my earrings off to put on hoops and never put them on. My apologies, y'all, for not wearing earrings. And you would know that if you watched the podcast on YouTubes. I'm going to start including the YouTube link in the description box. So go ahead over there, subscribe, and um, catch me visually, this adorable, shiny face, because it's hot in here. But um, yeah, the joy in accomplishing something that is difficult for me I have, I'm not very, um, I'm trying to find the best way to put it. Cause I don't want to say I'm not persistent. Um, but just I'll get the idea, but then sometimes lack that confidence to see it all the way through. Or sometimes I'll just like, Oh, I don't think I'm ready. I don't have all the details. I don't know how it's going to finish. And I've stopped myself from starting and finishing so many different different things. But I know that when I do finish things and I do accomplish them, especially when they were difficult for me, I get so proud of myself. That brings me so much joy. So for me, that is one way that I get to honor myself is by just trusting that I'll figure out a way to do it that will get my point across and get my messaging across and I will be able to be proud of the work that I've done if I only do it. So it doesn't, that one happens probably the least of all those things on that very short list. But saying it aloud, maybe I will hold myself more accountable. I don't know. But in a nutshell, travel is more than vacation. And if you allow it, it can absolutely be a tool that will help you develop into the best version of yourself that you see for yourself. So don't forget that there is Travel and Ship merch on the website. Just go to travelandshippodcast.com and get you a little t-shirt, a little muggy mug, or a travel journal. Also, there are um, travel resources on there, the Mindful Traveler course that I'd mentioned. I have a solo travel planning guide if you need any help or inspiration in guiding yourself to the trip you know that you deserve. I got you covered. You can download that. That also has a supplemental workbook. So in the free course, I give you how I do it, But in the workbook, I give you what I use to actually get it done. So that you can pay for. Uh, Support the kid. If 
you want to find a low cost way to thank me for doing this podcast every week and sharing insightful, often tips, but also good stories, support me by buying merch or by downloading a resource. Also, I have a list of the travel gear and tools that I like to bring with me on different trips. And that list also grows. So continue to keep revisiting that and check that out. I am actually going to add the sling thing, the hammock that I was telling you guys about a few weeks back that I used on the flight to Miami. Um, I'm going to put that on there. And I, oh, there's also travel and ship playlists. So if you would like to suggest the podcast to a friend of yours that say is curious about solo travel, I've got a solo travel playlist that includes many of the episodes where the topic of conversation is more directed at solo travel. The most of my travels have been solo. So every, every episode has some variation on it. However, the playlist is designed so that it's curating all of the episodes that are specifically dedicated to helping someone that wants more inspiration or a little bit of guidance when it comes to being a solo traveler. I also have, um, more playlists that'll be coming out as time goes on. If you have any suggestions or requests for a playlist, shoot me that email, shoot me that DM. I'm here for you. Social media is in the description as well as, um, you know, just the link to the podcast in general so that you can check out all those things that I have. I like to be a hub of information if possible. I know sometimes trying to find an episode in particular that has that one little piece of information that you know I've mentioned, but you're not really sure what it is. You can definitely go to travelandshippodcast.com and search there's a search top, uh, search bar on there, or you can just go through the resources that I have and hopefully get your question answered. So thank you. I appreciate you guys showing up every week. There are a lot of you that actually show up and listen to this every week from all over the country and all over the world. And I'm happy to have you here with me. And I can't wait to see you guys in the future and the continuing weeks, months, and years to come. So thank you. And I appreciate y'all. Bye.